That works for a disco era guy. That funky music, that's good. I like it. It's kind of a easy jazz groove. It's really good. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm really happy to be here. Good to see you in uh, July. July in uh, the GTA. And it's good to see so many people uh, coming out to church. I have something in my heart that I want to share with you, and so we'll jump right in it. And uh, Connie says hi. And uh, I brought my youngest daughter. Connie and I have three daughters. And uh, I have the baby girl today with me. She's Sarah right there. If you stand up, wave at everybody. You have to stand up so they see you. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Okay, fine. Uh, all right. Not a baby anymore. All right. They grow up fast, don't they? You ready? You ready for the word this morning? All right, good. Uh, let's pray and then we'll start. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you. This morning we look to your word for inspiration, for guidance, for instruction, for faith, Father. And thank you for the Holy Spirit giving us revelation, helping us to understand your word. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for clarity this morning in expressing myself. And Father, we love you and we praise you. I thank you for all the work, the special work that you're doing in the lives of everyone here in the building that's listening to this message, everyone that is listening online. We don't believe, Father, that things happen by chance. We believe that you ordain our steps. And so thank you that if we're hearing this, it's because you want us to hear it, Father. And thank you for your word this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. I have something in my heart I'd like to share with you. It's uh, really important to, to me to live by principles. And uh, uh, the big things are important in life. Our philosophy of life is important. And we should get our philosophy of life from the word of God. And by big things, I mean, what does God want from me? What's God's plan for my life? What's God's purpose for my life? I solved the big philosophical issues decades ago thanks to the day when I received Jesus in my heart. Big philosophical issues, I mean, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? I'll answer that for you, the chicken. Because God created chickens, not eggs, right? He created the animals and then come the eggs. But uh, uh, it's still important for us to understand what God has put in our heart because it's going to affect every area of our lives. It's going to affect how we think and how we speak, how we conduct ourselves. And it's going to have an effect on our philosophy of life. Everyone is a philosopher because whatever you believe and what your belief system is, is a philosophy of life. And everybody's a theologian, especially every church member is a theologian, in the sense that you believe something about God and you read and study his word and you're basing your life on the word of God. That makes you a theologian. 
And so my, my starting text is, is in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. This is the NIV translation. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So there is my starting point this morning. God set eternity in the human heart. This is one of those big uh, scriptures in the Bible. God set eternity in the human heart, in every human heart. Whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, this scripture says that God put eternity inside of every human heart. I have another translation for you. The, uh, give me the other translation, please. The, uh, the NLT, New Living Translation, says, God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So the one translation said God set eternity. This one says God planted eternity in every human heart. And now it's true that we cannot see everything about God and understand everything about God. But there are some things that we do understand. Obviously, the things that we don't know are infinitely more than the things that we do know. And the point, really, and the issue is not really how much we don't know. The, the biggest gap in our life is not between what we know <clears throat> and what we don't know. Because that's an infinite gap. <clears throat> what we do not know about God and about the way that God works and everything in creation and so on will always be infinitely more than the little that we do know. But that's not the biggest gap or the biggest problem. It's not between what we know and what we do not know. The biggest gap is between what we know and what we, uh, what we know we should do, but we're not doing. <laughs> the things that we know, but the things that we are not doing that we know. Let me give you an example. Has anyone ever started a conversation with you by saying, you know, I know I shouldn't say this, but. Then you think, well, if there's already a part of you that's telling you, how does that work when you do that, by the way? It's never worked for me when I say, you know, I know I shouldn't say this, but. Because there's a part of you that's already saying, no, you shouldn't say this, or you shouldn't do this. You know, you shouldn't date this person, or you shouldn't... Uh, uh, you shouldn't uh, uh, get in this deal or you shouldn't do this, what you're about to do. And usually when I've had that warning inside of me, that, by the way, is the eternity part of you. You know, the world calls it conscious, conscience. Psychologists call it the subconscious mind, unconscious mind. It has different labels. But that part of you, that knower, that part of you, the heart, the, uh, the, the conscience part, the part of you that has eternity in it that God put in there. And so it's so every time I got into trouble, it's not because of something that really I didn't know. It's because of something that I know I should be doing, but I'm not doing. And so 
God put eternity in our hearts. And even though it's true that we don't know everything that there is to know, it's never possible, that shouldn't bother us. We should really concentrate and major on finding out what God has revealed. Because God has revealed enough that we can grasp and we can get our head around it and our heart around it. And we can do something with our lives. We can do what God called us to do with our lives. So God put eternity in our hearts. And the concept of eternity in our heart is this, is that every human being is born with a sense that there is more to life than just material life. That there's more to it than just physical things. That there's more to it than just me only and my interests only. Because that's the eternity that God put in our heart. And so when we live with, uh, what does it mean to understand this? To grasp the fact or have this philosophy of life, this approach to life, that there's more to life than just me. There's more to life than just what I can see. And there's something eternal that God put inside of me. What does that look like? Well, it looks like this. It's an awareness. An awareness that God has a plan and a purpose and a design for your life that he planned before you were born. That changes everything because then I no longer live Friday to Friday. I don't just live paycheck to paycheck and weekend to weekend. But then the scope of my life becomes to know God and to know what this purpose is that he put in us. And so it's not that human beings don't have a purpose and don't have eternity in their heart because God gave it to every one of us. The difference is the awareness of it. Being aware of the fact that aware means that I have to know it and understand it and sense it, think about it every day and live by it because it will be a guide to my life, to the way that I speak, the way that I act. So when I, have, when I understand that God planned me and God designed me and God has a purpose for my life, then I'm not going to be interested in just being famous. I'm not interested in just being visible. I'm interested in bearing fruit. You, we become interested in deeper things than that. We're not interested in controlling other people. And, but what we are interested in is, is, is a purpose in life, is finding out what the purpose that God has for us is and try to walk in it. And so here's another scripture. I have a number of scriptures to direct us, to, to, to bring us along on this quick journey that we have this morning. In the book of Timothy, the apostle Paul talks about the, uh, the, the, the saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. So there's the destiny, there's the purpose, there's the eternity in the heart. And now look at this, his own purpose and grace, which was given for us in Christ Jesus before time began. When was grace given to you? 
before time began? When was purpose given to you? Before time began. Many times we say, you know, grace was given to me when I was saved. Well, that, that's when I received it, and that's when it became active in my life. But really, every human being is already born with grace, is already born forgiven. Now, whether we go through life receiving and saying yes to it or not is our decision. Because God is sovereign, but he created the world to cooperate with human beings. It was his sovereign decision to do this. And so God has extended grace and has extended purpose, this eternity in our hearts, and he gave it to us, the grace and the purpose, not even when we were saved, and not even when we were born, but before time began. Now, do you see why then Ecclesiastes talks about eternity? Eternity is something that has always existed, exists now, and will always exist. So we know that we have eternal life, and by being saved, I mean this, the moment when you receive Jesus in your heart, not religion, not denomination, not religiosity, but Jesus. You consciously say yes to Jesus, and you say, okay, I receive you in my heart. I believe that you died and rose again for me, and I'm going to walk with you and live by your principles. That's when you're saved. That's when you're born again. And that's when uh, the, you receive the grace and the purpose. But the great, that's when you receive it. But it was given to you, not even when you were born, but it was given to you before the world began. Now, do you see? So <clears throat> that means before Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1, 1 said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what was God doing before Genesis 1, 1? What was God doing before light be and light was? What was God doing before the Big Bang? Well, he was planning you. He was planning me. He was planning, designing, dreaming about every human being on the, on, on, on the, that, that has ever lived from Adam and will ever live to the last human being that will ever be born. That's what God was doing. You see how that changes everything? So, so you're not here by, by chance, and you're not here just filling in time and, and, and breathing in oxygen. You're here because you were planned and designed by God. So that means that you, need, you and I need to hold our heads up high. You are somebody. <laughs> And God was thinking about you and planning uh, your life and dreaming about you before the world began. So it's not like this, you know, hey, oh, you know what? I was born and then the day that Max was born, God just kind of looked around and turned to the angel and said, hey, you know, Michael, the archangel, you know, find him something to do. He's on the earth, you know, slap, slap a purpose on him. See, that changes everything. It, it, that's not the way that it is. It's God already had a purpose in mind. God already needed something done on the earth because we are co-laborers with God. And then he designed me for that. And he designed you for that. Doesn't that change everything? So he designed you for that. Now, I know that. 
this can either be wonderful or really scary, right? Really scary because if you take it as God being a puppeteer and you being a puppet, you know, and you being like a Pinocchio and that God pulls all the strings, right? But that's not, that's not how you should read this. This is grace and purpose and meaning and love and you have choice in life. And you can decide whether you're going to walk in the purpose of God or not. But it certainly is, uh, is, is comforting and refreshing to know that God has something that he needed done and he designed you just for that. So it's not by chance that this morning you're here and it's not by chance that you live in Mississauga or wherever you live. And it's not by chance that you work where you work. And it's not by chance that you, 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 uh, you studied what you studied. Because it all has to do with the way that God designed you and planned you. So the book of Isaiah says this. The book of Isaiah says that declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that were not yet done. So God declares the end from the beginning. So put all of this together. He gave you eternity in your heart. He gave you purpose before the world began. So when God comes on the scene in Genesis 1 and he creates the universe, he's already finished. See, we experience time in a linear fashion, right? Uh, we start, and then we do things, and then we finish. Well, God lives in another dimension. God, God finishes, and then he starts. God finishes, and then he starts. We start, and then we finish. God finishes, and then he starts. God sees the, the end result, right? And only when he sees the end result does he actually start. Then the prophet Jeremiah, I'm throwing you a few scriptures just to lay something down. The prophet Jeremiah said this. He said, uh, the word of the Lord came to me. Now, thank God for the word. When, when the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, it changed the course of his life. Now, when the word came in your life, did it not change the course of your life? Didn't that initial word from God However it happened, when somebody brought you to church or you watched something online or uh, you, you, you were invited to a meeting or something, the way that God first reached into your heart, right, to get your attention and that moment when you received Jesus in your heart, uh, that word changed the course of our lives forever. Thank God for the word. <laughs> Amen. Because it changes our life. Where would, we be, where would we be without the word of God? I don't know. I'd be, you know, I'd be a, a blown out, has been disco guy from the 70s. You know, I'm not doing the disco dance for you. No staying alive this morning, okay? <laughs> and, and, and I don't know where I would have been. But thank God for the word of God because it changed the course of my life. And then in verse 5, Jeremiah says this in verse 5. He says something that is awesome. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Right? 
before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, there's a couple of words here like sanctify and ordain that we tend to misunderstand. But here's the point. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is what God says about you. Do you see the eternity in your heart? You're born with a purpose. You're born with a plan. You are born because God wanted you born. And he says this awesome statement. He said, before I formed you. Now we know that it already, before the creation of the world, before God created anything, he already had a plan and a purpose for you and he thought of you. But then he says, before you were born, I know you. That word for know is the Hebrew word yada, kind of like Yoda, but not, not really. You know? That's a way to remember it. Yada, everybody say yada, yada. See, yada, the first time yada is used in the Bible is when uh, uh, Adam yada or knew his wife, had intimate relations with his wife. Meaning this, that that word is the word that's used for intimacy for deep personal knowledge it's not just intellectual knowledge like you and i might know math or geography it's a deep intimate knowledge so god has deep intimate personal knowledge of you before he formed you in your mother's womb so before you were actually formed in the womb you were an idea and a person in the mind of God. Isn't that awesome? Sila, pause a moment. Every human being is like that. You, you were an idea, you were a purpose, you were a person with the characteristics that you have, with, 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 uh, with your personality, with your uniqueness. You know, whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether you are... Uh, 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 a perfectionist or you're more of an artistic person whether you're an, you, you like to be alone by yourself studying formulas or whether you are a people person whatever whatever it is about you that is you and that is unique God knew about it you were in his mind you were that before you were ever born now, I want to deal with the, with the word sanctify. Remember sanctify? I have another translation of that verse, if you give it to me, please. It says that uh, I set you apart. You see, this is the New Living Translation. We, we have the thought of sanctify as don't smoke and don't drink and don't swear and all that. And that is a part of it. I mean, it's not a good idea to smoke because it'll kill you. It will hurt you. Uh, but the sanctification starts with the concept of set apart. If, if you don't adopt this philosophy, then you will, do, you will use sanctification in a legalistic way. Meaning, I don't swear and I don't smoke and I don't fool around because I'm trying to get something from God. But really, that's not the right way of doing it. Because God already had put eternity in your heart and God already has a purpose for your life and the, the starting point of sanctification is being set apart. 
So that's the root meaning, the root word means this, that God <coughs> set you apart for himself for some purpose that he has. And then along with that, because I am set apart from God, I'm not going to do anything that hurts my body. That's why I don't want to drink a bottle of whiskey every day. I don't want to ruin my liver, ruin my brain. And I don't want to pump nicotine in my lungs because it's going to hurt me. But it's not because I'm trying to get purpose because I already have purpose. I was born with purpose. You were born with purpose. And it's not because you're trying to, to, to get something from God because you're doing it because you're set apart. So when we're set apart for something, and with a set apart, we also have to get away from the thought of just clergy, you know, pastoring or preacher, doing what I'm doing now. You're set apart for whatever God called you to do. You're set apart. You could be set apart to be a business person. You could be set apart to be a pilot. You could be set apart to be a doctor. You could be set apart to be a truck driver. You could be set apart to be a scientist. You could be set apart to be a mom that raises children at home. Because all of these are noble callings. The issue is not uh, uh, what we do compared to other people. The issue is, are we doing what God called us to do or not? Am I doing okay? So God set me apart, right? And so it's not just, and this, this brings up a lot of things that I don't have time to cover this morning. I was talking about philosophy, right? Well, if, if God knew you before you were born and he planned you and he designed you and he set you apart, uh, that means this, that I am not just my body. I am more than just a physical human being. I'm more than just, in the womb, a fetus that's developing is much more than just a bunch of protoplasm. So then, this is where, this is what I was talking about, the big issues, right? So now the issue becomes, is not, you know, bad boy and legalism, right? The issue becomes, if God knows what is forming in the womb, and God has planned what is forming in a womb, it would probably be wrong to interfere with that. Right? Even when they're just cells multiplying. If we believe that, see, this has, these scriptures have wide implications. I am not just matter. I am not, you know, I, I, I had, uh, Connie and I were in a car accident a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago, two years ago, not a couple of weeks ago. And I almost lost my thumb. It kind of fell off and it was hanging there. And the surgeon put it back together. But when I lost my thumb, I didn't lose any part of my essence. I'm not just my body, I was just losing my thumb, but me, the God, the, the one that God planned and designed is still me. So we're not just matter. We're not just, there's more than just the physical. <clears throat> and if God planned me and designed me, it means that I am not an accident. Your parents may not have wanted you, but God wants you. Even if you were conceived in a test tube in these modern days, God is still knitting and, 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 and he wanted you. Wow. <laughs> right? So you're not an accident. 
you're not an accident, is more than just the physical, and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and, and, and it colors our whole life of what we do, what we think and what we say and how we act matters in the light of this. Yeah, you can say, well, I do what I want, and you can, and you're free to, but how about we start measuring what we do in the light of, is it what God planned for me? Is it the purpose of God? Is what I'm doing taking me in the direction of what God has planned for me? Because if I keep on fighting against that, I will be very frustrated. Uh, most of our frustration is not with our spouses, you know, husband, wife, the pastor, the leadership in church, or the politicians, or the boss. Most of our frustration in life comes from this. How much am I fighting against the purpose of God? Now, how much? it starts with an awareness. I have to actually think about it, be aware of it, and talk to God every day about this. God, what's your plan for my life? What's your purpose for my life? Why did you make me the way that you made me? So many times we fight against uh, things that we think are false, but maybe God made you that way. You know, growing up in a Pentecostal uh, denomination, right, I had to constantly fight myself, you know, against the PowerPoints and this and that because I'm a systematic line-upon-line teacher, and that didn't fit too well there because you had to sweat and scream and jump, right? And I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm, I'm just designed wrong, and I need to do that. And then at a certain point when I became aware of purpose, I realized that I was fighting against the way that God made me because he put me on this earth to do this. I'm a teacher. I'm an apologist. I lay out cases. So God has had me stand before politicians, not publicly, but privately, breakfasts of things that I cannot, you know, I can't take a selfie and post it, right? I was at breakfast with a Euro parliamentarian, a member of parliament in Europe, and, you know, and I'm his pastor, and I can't tell anybody, I can't put it in the newsletter, because then it will hurt whatever God is trying to do through that person who's trying to influence that whole ungodly institution. Right? And so, now there, I needed, I realized, the reason why I'm saying this is because it happened, it happened uh, a few months ago, <clears throat> he came escorted by Secret Service and having the whole bed. And we spent two days with him. And he was asking me questions about God, the Bible, and so on. And I realized that God had been preparing my whole life for that because you can't go look it up. And, and, and you have to express yourself in this way, in that context. And so, stop fighting against the way that God made you. If you're a perfectionist or if you're a people person or whatever you are, Get in line and in tune with it. Amen? Because he planned you. He designed you. He wants you that way. That's why he made you that way. You're not an accident. Amen? And it'd be wrong to interfere with that and to meddle with that. And then let's go over to the book of Psalms now for a moment. Psalm 139. Look at this. And it says that... It, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, woven together in the dark of the womb. So God, the moment, the, uh, 
sperm fertilizes an egg in the mother's womb, this scripture says that God is watching that. And the term that God is using is knitting. So he's knitting together a human being in the dark, in secret. That's, that's Bible language for the womb. And then he says, that, continue, and, uh, and then he says that the days, give me my other translation of this, please. The, I have another translation here. Yeah, see, your days, <clears throat> your eyes saw me when I was inside the womb. All the days ordained for me were recorded in your scroll before one of them came into existence. Now, this is where you can read it robotically in a Calvinist sense, which is that everything that you say and everything that you do and everything that happens to you is planned by God. But I'm going to suggest that that's the wrong reading. You could do it that way. And that's what, remember, I said a few minutes ago, it could get scary. But that's not the way that it is. Because what God is saying here is that I know you, I knit you, you're born with eternity, you have a purpose, and I have a plan for you, and now it's up to you to become aware of that plan, discover that plan, and walk in that plan. <clears throat> because if everything that you do, and you say, okay, everybody ready? Uh, I'm going to count one, two, three, and then I want you to raise your right hand or your left hand. Are you ready? Okay. You ready? Do an experiment with me. One, two, three, go. All right, keep it up like that, right? Now, God knew that some of you were going to raise your right. He knew you were going to raise your left. He knew some of you weren't interested. You weren't going to raise anything. <laughs> and he knew that a couple of smart alecky raised both hands, right? My point is this, but he didn't make you do it, but he knew it. Everybody okay? You decided that. Now, wait. Just to make sure that you're deciding, let's try it again. And this time do the opposite, okay? You ready? One, two, three. Okay? So who decided that? You did. You could have done anything you wanted to. But God, written means that God knew that I was going to do this experiment on this day. And he knew because he sees the end from the beginning. He has it all in front of him. He knows which hand you were going to raise or whether you weren't going to raise any hand. But... What he's saying is that here is how, you know that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? So here's what God is saying. God is saying, you know, <clears throat> Max, I called you to be a preacher and to influence people, right? Now, I could have influenced people in many ways. I could have been, it's interesting that at age 12, in, this is like a long time ago in the 60s, late 60s, right? I bought my first book on what is psychology. I was in Italy, and it wasn't as popular as it is today. And so why did I do that? Well, here, because some part of me, the eternity part of me, knew that I was supposed to help people. And the way I interpreted it was as a psychologist, because there's a lot of ways that you can fulfill that. You can be a doctor, you can be a psychologist, you can be a psychiatrist, you can be an author, you can be a pastor. Then when I was saved, right, and I received Jesus, I realized that I had a call to preach and to teach. 
You see what I'm saying? But who had to say yes to that purpose? I did. So it is written in God's book. Here's how judgment will go. In God's book, let me give you another example. God also said, you know, I prepared this wonderful woman called Connie for you. She's perfect. She's the only one that can put up with you and live with you for your whole life. You can try marrying somebody else, but it won't work because she'll probably strangle you. But the one I prepared for you is Connie. Now, in the disco days, I dated different girls, right? And I could have married Susie instead of Connie. By the way, Susie does not exist. Uh, I never dated Susie. I checked with Connie before. I made sure I didn't know a Susie, but no, never. Because it'd be really bad for a man to say, I should have married this instead of you, right? Thank you for your enthusiasm, right? Wouldn't it? Be, it wouldn't be class. So Susie is fictitious. I never dated a Susie, never went out with a Susie. She does not exist. I could have dated Susie and married Susie and probably it would have ended off badly because really Connie's the only one that can put up with me. So on judgment day, <laughs> we'll be like this. It will not be with what you did or what, it will not be a comparison of what you did and what I didn't do. You know, if you, if you had a bigger business or a bigger house or more influence or whatever, it will be what God planned and how much I obeyed of what God planned. So on Judgment Day, it will be, you know, hey, I had Connie for you, and you married Connie. Well done. Good for you, right? And I called you to be a pastor, but I could have been a pilot. I consider that, right? And it would have been fine. I wouldn't have hurt anybody, but it wouldn't have been what God planned for me. Uh, and I called you to, to be a teacher and a preacher in the body of Christ, and you are a teacher and a preacher in the body of Christ. Well done. And that is how you are fulfilled in life. <laughs> that is how you sleep at night, is knowing that you are doing what God called you to do. I have one more verse and then I'm done. In Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, look at what it says. See, don't take Psalm 139. If you just read that, what we just read, you could take it in a, in a controlling way. But you have to take scripture with scripture, okay? And this helps. The New Testament helps. So look at this. It says, we are God's masterpiece. Aren't you glad about that? Say it, say it after me. I'm a masterpiece. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a masterpiece. Doesn't that change? Shouldn't that change the way we treat people? Yep, you have, you have one of God's masterpieces. Watch what you say. Watch what you do. Right? Glory. All right. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. That's a new birth. So we can do the good things, see, that he planned for us long ago. You see how, isn't this good? See how it puts it together? So God planned something. God planned the things for me. We can do. Who, who, who does the things that God has planned for us? We do. You do. It's your choice. God planned it. You walk in it. So now your life becomes, if you're single, right? God, if, because if you're married, you got the one you got. That's it, baby. <laughs> Work it out. If you have issues, come for <clears throat> counseling and see Pastor Brent, okay? He'll help you. <clears throat> but if you're single, it becomes, uh, God, who do you have for me? I want to marry the right person that you have for me. Right? 
And when you study, you want to, God, God, how did you, I want to study the subjects that I'm supposed to study. And with your job, you want to do what God called you to do. And the vocation, you want to walk in what God has called you to do. Because God planned it, and he knows that you'll be happy and satisfied. Don't fight against that. that that's the only way. Because he designed you like that, that's the only way you'll be happy. But you can do whatever you want to. But if you don't walk in what God has called you to do, you'll probably be frustrated and fighting against God and fighting against yourself, and that doesn't work out. But the point is that he planned it, but it's your decision to walk in it. Amen? Glory. Did the word bless you this morning? Did it help you? So here's your homework. You want to become aware every day, an awareness inside here, right? That God plans you, God designs you. God put eternity in your heart. And it has to become a discovery of what it is that God wants done on planet Earth that only you can do where you work only you can do in your neighborhood only you can do in your family and if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus you haven't made that step of receiving Jesus in your heart there should be a day a moment that you can refer to in your past where you say that was the day when I made the decision to receive Jesus in my heart, because that's how it all starts. That's your first step. Then I invite you to do that this morning. It's not complicated. It starts just by saying, Jesus, come in my heart. I believe you died and you rose again for me. I receive you and I'm going to serve you and follow you all the days of my life and reveal your plan to me. That's all you have to do. That's the first step. And then after that, there's other steps, but that's how it starts. And if, 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 if you're making that decision this morning for the first time, in a minute, someone will have some instructions for you because this church wants to help you. That's the first step. They wanna help you in taking the other steps. And then the journey of your life becomes becoming, becomes becoming aware of the purpose of God in your life and walking in it. Amen. I have some, uh, if, if the teaching blessed you, I have some books that I wrote and some material. If you want to see what we do, help me do this around the world. Sada will tell you about them. Okay, well, I might be biased, but wasn't that such a good word this morning? Amen. Okay. I'm here just to talk a little bit about our book table out there. Um, we have, if you want to know more about Pastor Max and our ministry and what we do overseas, um, we're selling his two books, Every Good Thing and Fearless in the Light. And I have a bunch of brochures. If you're interested, I'd be happy to chat with you outside. Thank you, Sarah. That's wonderful. Amen. Give her a good hand clap. Glory. It's nice to have your family help you. Every good thing, if you're interested in this topic, is a good book to start on your journey of discovering your purpose. It, it goes through 
every good thing that Christ placed in you. Born again, you have the Spirit of God. You are a conqueror. You are victorious. It's a good study to teach you and show you who you are in Christ and what God has done for you in Christ. Thank you this morning. We appreciate you listening. Amen. Thank you. Beautiful. Come on, let's give it up one more time for Pastor Morrow. Such a good word this morning. Thank you so much. Man, uh, he feels like family. He comes every single summer, and we're just so thankful for the relationship that we have, and thank you for your investment this morning. And hey, if that was you this morning, you made a decision to follow Christ, kind of like what Pastor Mara was just talking about. That was a really important first step, but there are tons of other steps for you to take as well. So if you take a moment, fill out the Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Check off the I have decided to follow Jesus box and turn it into our info desk. That's right out in our main lobby. Uh, One of our team members will greet you with a really big smile. They're going to give you some info about what those next steps are, okay? Make sure that you don't do uh, life alone, that you don't do faith alone. Your faith is meant to be lived out with others. We want to help partner with you on that journey of faith. Come on, City Church, are you glad that you came to church on a summer Sunday here in July? Why don't you all stand to your feet? Just want to remind you of a couple of those announcements that Michael made mention of. There is City Youth every Friday starting at 7 p.m. Thank you, youth team. Just wanted to confirm. And also, if you were hoping um, for someone to pray with you or for you, maybe you have questions about uh, that message there. You're like, I feel purposeless. What's my next step? Some of our leaders, they're making their way to the front of the stage right now. Once service is dismissed here in a couple of moments, feel free to come. Uh, and they would be more than happy to pray with you or for you. Last but not least, we are in summer Sundays. And with every summer Sunday comes a fun summer treat. Nothing screams 10, 10 a.m. like some iced tea. Wow. Come on, guys. Come on, we have iced tea. Awesome. So we have iced tea in the lobby. Make sure you grab a cup of sweet tea. Uh, make some sweet friends. That's my connection for you this morning. Thank you so much for coming to church. We love you. We'll see you next week at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m.